Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas. dot com slash acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. Now then, coming to the Cork Opera House this week, and we were giving tickets away for it, of course, in the show last Sunday, is Molière's Tartuffe on a national tour from the Abbey Theatre. And it is being advertised, of course, on morning. You're hearing the ads bringing Versace to Versailles. <laughs> it's got all of the attitude, all of the glamour, all of the subterfuge, and all of the deception, because it is a spectacular dramatic comedy in which the villainous Tartuffe manages to inveigle his way into the house and uh, enthrall and deceive everybody. And one of the actors who is on tour with it is Geraldine Plunkett. And I have longed to talk to Geraldine for so long. So it was just such a pleasure to be able to pick up the phone and chat to her about this play, about her career with the theatre. Maybe a bit about Lenroll thrown in there at the end. Had to do it. Geraldine, the run of Tartuffe is up and running. You're already on tour around the country. And like this is just... A riot of a play, isn't it? It is. It is. I must say it's going extremely well. And audiences get into it more and more and more as the play goes on. Well, after all, the play, when all said and done, was first performed in 1664. So it's held its own since then. I mean, it's been performed in dozens of languages and it's been done all over the world and in all sorts of different versions and adaptations. So, you know, it's a proven play, in other words. And I suppose, you know, like Shakespeare, Molière had that knack, and that's why it's lasted so long, of tapping into that's right. themes and the, the human condition and uh, the subterfuge and the underbelly, I guess, of the human character. Yeah, that's right, that's right. I mean, hypocrisy, religious hypocrisy, but hypocrisy of any sort, is a theme that can apply to any society or any country anywhere in the world and that's and the humor of this play of course is how Tartuffe's hypocrisy is revealed and that's where the fun comes in and and it is fun and the audience get into it you know so it's fun to be in and also the audience gradually at first they think well what's this about and then gradually 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 it it just builds and builds and builds and at the end we really do get a great reception I must say, everywhere. And your character, of course, is a total, like, fangirling <laughs> all over Tartuffe from the beginning. Yes, she is. She, she's actually a horrible person. I mean, I think, actually, she's probably a bit of a hypocrite herself, she, though she doesn't know it. Yes, she's, she hates um, any sort of, you know, dances or displays of anything. She's very, she's very puritanical, really. And she and her son, 
um, her son has taken in Tartuffe uh, into his house because he thinks Tartuffe is a sort of a saint giving giving alms to beggars and he and Tartuffe is down in his luck and he wants to support him and all the rest and his mother is with him, my part, is with him in this. And then in the end, of course, Tartuffe is revealed. But all the other all the other characters in the play see through Tartuffe. They're much more if I could put it this way, normal. Yeah, they are. But at the same time, uh, the, yeah. the unveiling of this total wretch altogether doesn't come until he has uh, convinced you, convinced her gone, had the daughter's hand promised to him in marriage, swindled them out of the house, yes. you know, made passes at the wife. <laughs> and, and yes, he is. And yes, still you is. defend him. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And, I, and, and in, in Act 2, um, when Orgon discovers his... Uh, you know, duplicity. He actually witnesses him trying to seduce his wife. He um, and and he tells my character, the mother, Madame Bernal. He she simply won't believe it that this saint could possibly be doing this without. And then, of course, she does believe it because I don't know. Off stage, there's further proof. The great thing about these kind of plays is that all sorts of things get wound up. You don't question how does so-and-so knows so-and-so. You just have to assume that something has happened off stage. And of course, in those days and in those plays, the servants knew everything. So there was always tattle, 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 tittle, tattle all the time, which which means that if you want to round up a plot, there's no problem because (laughs) the servants will have said something. (laughs) I mean, it's great fun. And of course, Shakespeare did that as well. I mean, if you look at all Shakespeare's plays, a lot of them, um, even tragedies, they all get rounded up happily or unhappily as the case may be you know true, true. without thinking oh that's not plausible he makes them plausible <laughs> yeah. that's it <laughs> and the setting for this Geraldine the photographs that I've seen in the the various stage shots it looks sumptuous it does look sumptuous yes yes Katie Davenport did the sets and she did and the costumes and she did a wonderful job because um the set is like those in fact, if you actually look at the set, there, there are all sorts of animals, sort of um, period animals from the 17th century and lushness. And if you actually look at the detail of the set, all of these animals are really attacking each other and being vicious. It's really sort of nature red in tooth and claw. And that's what she's managed to achieve with this opulent decadence kind of thing in the set. And I, I think the set is really wonderful. It really is. And the costumes are great as well. And she has little nods to modernity in them. Like, for instance, Marianne wears this lovely period costume, but underneath it she has Doc Martens. You know, <laughs> little little tiny things like that. Yeah, nice little bridging of time zones yes. and eras, of course. I heard there's a little bit of gadgetry and things like that involved as well. I won't, don't want to kind of give everything away about it, but just... Everything away, yes, I know, no, I know, I know. That's the thing. That's yeah. the fun of it all as well, isn't it? Yes, and, you and know, the music, the music as well. Um, the music is sort of a mixture of period and modern and different styles, but it all sort of weaves in very well, you know. There's no doubt about it, yeah. Well, when, you know, so many people are used to Shakespeare being taken and given a modern context, a modern setting, a contemporary Mm. interpretation and that sort of thing. And Moliere, like we said, can stand the test of time for all of those as well, regardless of the, I suppose, portrayal, because of the fact that it is the human condition that's being dug into at the end of the day. But, you know, the Abbey Abbey Theatre, when it goes on tour, always creates a stir. Like when a theatre company is touring, there's always great excitement. When the National Theatre goes on tour, 
tour. Everyone, you know, obviously is curious about what, what the National Theatre is bringing around. And you have such a great mm. history with the Abbey, you know, I mean, like, of course, we all know you from the roles <laughs> you've played on TV. And, you know, there isn't a conversation, I'm sure, that you can't have without being asked about <laughs> Mary and Dick. And, you know, that's all wonderful. And yes, we'll, yes. We'll come back to them maybe briefly in a second. But I, I know mm. that, like, the vast majority of your rich career has been on stage and, you know, from a very young age with the Abbey. Yes, I started off in the Abbey and that's where I met my husband, Father Lamb. And um, yes, as a matter of fact, when the new opera house, the present opera house opened, the Abbey opened it, in fact, with um, O'Casey plays. And I was in one of them where I was playing, I think I was playing Malls or in the Plough or something like that. I mean, it was something tiny. So that was way back in 1966, 66, 67, I think it was late 66. I'm not exactly sure of the exact date. So it's as far back as that. And um, yes, I do remember the Opera House all right. And I've played there since a couple of times different plays, not not to do with the Abbey. But the Abbey itself, the Abbey Theatre has been in the Opera House a lot of times. But it's been part of your life for obviously for longer. And, you know, like you said, you met your husband in the Abbey. Do you come from a theatrical family? Was it in your DNA or no, were you? No, not at all. No, not at all. Nobody in, in my family was in the theatre at all. Though I have a son and a daughter now who are Susie Lamb and Marcus Lamb, yeah. who have followed in our footsteps. But, but not, um, no, there's nobody in my family at all. And the first. So why did you make those first steps towards that career? Well, I suppose I was very fortunate. I was in a play in school, several plays in school uh, in the Earth Line in Thurlis. And in my last year, I was, we did <laughs> Hamlet and I played Hamlet because of course it was a girls school naturally you know way back then and I played Hamlet and one of the directors from the Abbey Theatre Frank Dermody may he rest in peace saw it and thought I had a bit of talent and offered me an audition so I had one and then I had another audition and then they offered me little parts and sort of went on from there you know that sounds like some sort of overnight stardom or something it wasn't it was I was state of nerves all the time because as soon as I started acting with experienced professional actress I realised I absolutely knew nothing. I mean I loved acting at school and it was absolutely gorgeous and Hamlet was wonderful, wonderful, wonderful you know and fabulous play etc. But I mean I realised that technically in every other way I really knew nothing when I was working with experienced wonderful actors you know. But it was gradual from there on and then I married Pather and then I left the Abbey and um, then gradually sort of I basically freelanced. I mean, since my first child was born, I have freelanced, really. I have worked with the Abbey, but I've worked with all sorts of other companies as well, and television and that. So that's how it happened, really. Chance, I suppose you could say. Isn't that amazing? And, you know, how wonderful Mm. that, you know, small school plays can actually drop the pebble in the pond whose ripples can have life impact and and bring you such a a richness of experiences ever since, which which is wonderful. And you've well and truly lost the Thurless accent in that beautiful speaking voice, Geraldine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not from Thurless. You ah. see, I'm from Dublin. Oh, so, so I was never. This is this is the way I always. This is the way I always spoke. Oh, well, and yeah, why, no, why were you no, sent to boarding school, school or something? I was at the Earth Slide. I was at boarding school. Yeah, oh, wow. I was at boarding school for eight years. Yeah, because my father died. So we all went to boarding school. Did you like boarding school? Um, I did. I did. Well, of course, you're always sort of dying to leave. I think life's going to be very exciting and all the rest. But yes, I was happy there. Mm. 
And, you know, looking back in retrospect, I can honestly say that, you know, the nuns and the confident general, I mean, it was very, they were very simple days. And if we didn't get out and it was totally different to nowadays, you know, you were at boarding school and then you went home for your holidays. But it was a very kind, kind school, if I could put it that way. That's so you nice know. to hear. You know what I mean? Like I would have mm. grown up on a diet of Ina Blyton thinking boarding school was the business. And, uh, That's what I thought as well. <laughs> wishing, <laughs> wishing. I, I remember begging my mother to let me go to boarding school and uh, she wouldn't have any of it. But uh, Really? <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> well, you know, when my mother said, to, what do you think about going to boarding school? God help her. We had to go really for practical reasons because mm-hmm, yes. she had to go back to work. And we, I, I was delighted. I thought I'd be having adventures like Ina Blyton, like you. <laughs> <laughs> and there we are. And no. yeah, but still uh, happy memories for the large part by the yeah. sound of it as well, which which is lovely. Geraldine, our time is up and, you know, I cannot. I would be absolutely lynched by listeners if I let you go without asking you anything about, you know, Glen Rowe or even just oh. a- acknowledging to you how grateful and how, you know, how much joy you would have brought uh, in your role on Glen Rowe over the years. And and I know listeners listening in this morning will be yeah. commenting the same. And every year when school comes around again and the memes about the Glen Row tune and everyone's homework not being finished. I mean, you know, people must constantly be talking to you with just yes, with joy do. and yes, love about do. your character. Yes, they do. And they do say the same thing about school. And then they have to go, you know, yeah, go yeah. to bed at the end of the weekend. <laughs> yeah. and everything. Yes. Yeah. But that was such a great role, I suppose. Mary and the the long suffering time she had with the, the, <laughs> yes. the rakish Dick Moran, yes. who treated her abominably. But she was some bit of stuff herself, wasn't she? She was really. Yes, she was. I enjoyed it, I must say. And I must say again, that was a very happy experience doing yeah. Glenro, you know, and we all became very close during it because it ran for 18 years. So it was became like a family. And yes, in terms of acting, I mean, there were so many varieties of plots in it that you don't get necessarily to play a, di- a different character, but you do get a wide range of emotions to play. So that was good as well. And we all enjoyed it, I must say. And of course, it was nice that it was so popular. Hugely. And I mean, like, yes, you're dead right. You know, as humans ourselves, we change constantly through our lives. We don't remain the same. That's right. We all have different shades. And it must have been fun, you know, getting to chew on various sides of Mary's character and give her all those different experiences, too. Yes, it was. It was. And of course, naturally, we were getting older. So we were changing anyway. It was fun. It was good. It was interesting. We're all getting older, but it's not stopping us, Geraldine. That's the main thing. And, you know, May- I, no, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you continue uh, relishing the part of Madame Pernel in uh, Tartuffe and uh, sticking Thank it to the yes, audiences. And uh, may we wish you the just great, great fun and joy in your time in Cork next week and that you just have a ball. Thank you so I'm much. I'm looking forward to yes. it. Yes, I am. Thank you very much indeed. Thank, Thank you. you. I just loved talking to her. I could have talked to her for ages about various things, but it was a pleasure to be able to talk to her and to have the excuse be the Abbey's touring production of Molière's Tartuffe. It is, of course, a new version by Frank McGuinness. It's directed by Katrina McLaughlin. And this 17th century classic, as they say, has been given an audacious contemporary makeover. I loved reading this in college myself. Really loved it. It's absolutely ridiculous. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back after these. Quartz 96 FM and C103. 
In Tartuffe, Molière's exuberant comedy, a roguish scoundrel is unmasked. This contemporary Irish take on the French classic, by Frank McGuinness, directed by Katrina McLaughlin, brings a touch of Versace to Versailles. Don't miss Tartuffe, where the only crime lies in being found out. Running from May 9th to 13th at Cork Opera House. Tickets on sale from €21 plus booking fee. Available from the box office at Cork Opera House or online at corkoperahouse.ie. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.